Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and today on the show, I'm joined by Samuel Gold of Sam's Film Room as his latest video breaking down the game tape on Jamal Adams is up on Field Goals, and he joins the show here to talk about it. Thanks for coming back on, Sam. Of course. Glad to be back on. So Jamal Adams, drafted by the New York Jets out of LSU back in 2017. And as you point out in the article, it hasn't taken him long to ascend to that all-pro level, first-team all-pro in 2019, and also making the Pro Bowl in back-to-back seasons in 2018-2019. It's a pretty impressive trade for the the Seahawks, but it, it came at a big cost as well. No, 100%. I think... I think that was obviously the most surprising part of all this was the fact that they actually pulled the trigger. And then the second part was uh, how much they spent. It's kind of crazy that they spent their two future first round picks an extra third. And I don't know if you saw, uh, I think it was John Snyder's reaction. I think it was Brady Henderson posted a good quote from that. Um, And it was really interesting. Did you end up seeing that? I listened to John Schneider and Peter King's interview. So I I don't know if it came from Mm -hmm. that or if it was uh, if Brady talked to Schneider as well. Yeah, I'm not, I honestly don't. I'm not sure. It might have been the Peter King interview, but yeah, kind of like their entire thought process was on. Uh, we can pretend we are drafting him with these picks and what would it cost us to trade up to get to that top pick? But then the fact that we know he's an all pro talent, which means that we can then pay him that amount. And I was like, I, I guess I get the logic, but then at the same point, I still have to pay him. <laughs> so, so I was like, I was like, I, I'm halfway there. We still have to pay him. (laughs) Yeah, and I guess where the balance in that comes along with is that when you draft a player, because you have to account for the fact that the New York Jets, when they drafted Jabal Adams at number six overall, they took a risk. They didn't know that he was for sure going to become the player that he was at the NFL level. There's so many guys that that, that get drafted in the top five even. I mean, Aaron Curry is obviously the Seahawks example of a guy that was fourth overall and someone who was looked at as a a, a linebacker who was, you know, couldn't be anything less than a sure thing at the position. And he was far from a sure thing. So there is a lot of risk that goes along with drafting in the top 10. But but at this point now, you get to look at the trade and you can say, hey, this this is a player that's worth paying because he's a guy who was playing at an all pro level. No, 100%. I mean, and that's and that's exactly what his film showed. It showed a guy that consistently showed on tape in all aspects of his game, coverage, run defense, rushing the passer, every single thing he does, he does at an elite level, which is in my opinion the the most really the most impressive part is that there's no weakness to his game. When you can get that type of talent, especially with the Seahawks who they've they've needed safety help. I mean, as, as much as I like Bradley McDougal, then we can get into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamal Adams is just infinitely better. And there's there's just no doubt in my mind that the instant he steps on the field, he's going to be like probably the best player on this team, or at least on the defensive side. Yeah, and I think maybe that was, you bring up Bradley McDougal, and I think that was maybe one of the surprising aspects of the Seahawks making the deal because you looked at McDougal paired with Diggs and even pro football focus rating that safety tandem in the top 10 of the NFL. And and as a Seahawks fan, you go, you say to yourself, okay, top 10 for, for a safety tandem. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. But now when you trade off McDougal, you keep digs, which I think most Seahawks fans would agree is, is the better of the safety tandem you get. The jets also had one of the top safety tandems. And a big part of that is having Jamal Adams. So when you pair the best of their safety tandem with our, with the, with digs, then you have one that's, you know, at least in the top three in the league right now. 
if it's if it's not top three, I'm not sure who else would be there in, in front of them. I mean, you have like the Broncos and the Vikings. I would I'd probably say are are one and are one and two with probably the Vikings in the lead. And I I just don't know who else I would put above them. They're just yeah, that I, good. The only other pairing I could think is the Patriots, and with Patrick Chung sitting out the season, you know that would be tough to to keep them in the top three. Exactly, I agree. So Sam, when you were putting this video together, what was kind of the thing that jumped out at you the most uh, about Adams? For me, it came down to just legitimately his playmaking ability, and that and that might sound silly. It might sound uh, kind of uh, like a cliche when you talk about the elite players and the talent. It's just every single play you look for him and you see what he does, and then and then and then you just you you can just have the sense that. The guy that's making the play and you're trying to track him, you're trying to figure out what he's wearing to figure out by on step by step basis to figure out exactly where he's lining up. And then you just realize it's the dude that's making the play every single time or doing something good. And it's that guy. And, and it may sound like a cliche. It may sound like an exaggeration, but straight up, the, the number of games I went through, where I was just like, man, this, this guy just had a fantastic, another, another great game. And the variability and the versatility in turn, or just the pure versatility in terms of how, where he lined up, what he did, what he was asked to do, all of his different roles, just every single thing he did. And then on top of that, making and executing plays in every single aspect. I think that was what was mind blowing is that usually you see people kind of specialize in one thing, maybe two, you see, you see them excel at certain things. You see them play, say I'm an A, an A plus box player and a and, and, and that's, and that's maybe what you describe, uh, a camp chancellor as he was, he was, he was maybe like a, a B minus deep safety and an A plus box player, mm. Jamal Adams. He's, he's an A plus box player and an A and a B plus a level safety. So it's, you, you get, you just get to that point where literally anywhere I put him on the field, he's going to do well. And I just don't have to worry about him. So with that being the case, I, I wonder with the transition though, from the jets defense to the Seahawks defense how different that might be, or if the, if you see the Seahawks defense setting up well, uh, really based on history that he can come in and, and kind of fit right into the similar type of role that Cam Chancellor played. Uh, it's a really good question. And the thing is that if, if they used Jamal Adams purely as the Cam Chancellor role, I think you're not fully utilizing, um, all of his assets. And the thing is that with Cam Chancellor, he was incredible box safety. He was probably the most pure box safety We've seen in a long time in the NFL, he, he, he lined up in that too high look. He would jump down in that buzz roll in their cover three. Um, and then occasionally he would, he would go back deep and play free safety when Earl Thomas lined up on, on a tight end or, or helped out in a in bracket coverage or something like that. And, and Cam also helped in that role too. But what Jamal Adams can do in a free safety role, what he can do lining up against tight ends and man coverage. What he can do against lining up at slot or slot receivers in coverage, what he can do lining up in the box to blitz. It's playing as a Cam Chancellor role. And, and as much as we like that role and, and, and see and see Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas as the elite safety pairing, probably of, of the I'm guessing of Seahawks franchise history. They, 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 they are. Yeah. You see them and, and you just you can't ascribe that same value and that same use to Diggs and Adams because. Earl Thomas was obviously the best free safety, pure free safety, and he can also cover tight ends and, and do kind of that role, whereas Cam Chancellor kind of played those other roles. Jamal Adams can do it all. So it's you get into this, this point where you can do more rotations. You get into this point where you can have three safeties on the field and add someone in like Marquise Blair. 
you can you you can play you can play a three safety look like some defenses in college are starting to do. I think Iowa State is starting to do that a lot now. Also, mm-hmm. it's you you can do so much variability or and and with and just because of his skill set, there's so many more formations they can do and so more so many more defensive coverages that they can now do with him that it makes this entire team just that much better. Really, my only concerning bit of all this is that the Seahawks won't do all of that. My my concern is that they're going to see Adams and say he can play the Cam Chancellor role, and then that and then we'll see pure cover three, and that's kind of it. I think if they use him just as that, and they don't use him in blitzes, they don't use him as a as, as a tight end eraser where he can blitz if the tight end stays in the block exactly like he did in that Pittsburgh game where he you know he created sacks and pressures and it was awesome, and yeah. and he did that in other games too. Well, it was um, the it was the uh, game against the Giants that you pointed out too yeah. earlier on, and when uh, in in the last episode of the podcast, I was talking to McGregor Wells of Gangrene Nation, and he specifically remembered that play, and and you had it early on in your video. Uh, he goes in after Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley picks up the blitz, but he just goes straight through Saquon and doesn't strip the ball in the normal sense of uh, you know a pass rusher swatting at the ball. He just rips it out of Daniel Jones' hands and and takes to the end zone. Yeah, that, I mean that play still blows my mind. I, I I watched that play probably four or five times before I even wrote anything down, just because I, I got to ask myself how did he do this, and it was just he literally just manhandled both of them. Like there there was not like a an analysis portion where I was sitting there like, oh, what technique did he use? <laughs> no, man, that the, the guy just just beat up Saquon Barkley, literally manhandled Daniel Jones, threw him out of his way. And then ran to the end zone. Like there's not there's not like uh, an all twenty two analysis we need to do with <laughs> right. that one. We we could we could all watch it. That's one of those plays that kind of reminds me of the Jadevian Clowney play in college, where he just uh, lights up the the running back with the ball, and uh, the dude's yeah. helmet pops off, and <laughs> he picks up the football and goes. Exactly. No, it's 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 the same level of plays that you see from Jadevian Clowney, where you're just like, what? Like how how did he do that? And 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 again, I, I said this before. It sounds like a cliche to to say that that is the thing that surprised me the most. But the thing is that the Seahawks don't have that outside of Russell Wilson. Tyler Lockett is is amazing in his own right, and and he's and he's freaking incredible. He's extremely underrated. But he, but he's not that same tier of Russell Wilson and Jamal Adams in terms of being elite at their position. And that's not it's not a knock at Tyler Lockett because again, he's incredible. Yeah. It's it's just the fact that when you see this this surreal, this talent, this, this, this cerebral talent that you have of Jamal Adams, where he's a two-time leader. Um, as a second year, he became the, the captain of their team and he's calling out plays before the, before the snap and telling people where to line up and telling them, Hey, based on this guy's stance, I'm going to go blitz him and, and, and take him out. It, it, blow, it blows your mind. And, and that's something that I'm so excited for because this defense needs that. This defense needs that type of leadership and, and ability to wrap, you know, to, to wrangle everybody together. And, and that's something that I really liked about Bradley McDougald when he first came was that he was that veteran presence. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have Jamal Adams skill set. Yeah. You know, it was one thing when you're talking about Adams versatility, that kind of took me back to that conversation that had been happening in the offseason of the Kansas City Chiefs needing to pay Chris Jones and the potential that maybe he was available for a couple first round picks. Yeah, that's the thing that that jumps out to me when people weigh the idea of of two first round picks for a player like Adams versus a player like Chris Jones is that at the safety spot, you have so much more versatility with a particular player like Adams than you do just having a guy 
uh, in the middle that can you know, stop the run and rush the passer. Now, those are really important things, but there's also some benefit to that added versatility that Adams has on the back end. Agreed. 100% agreed. So when it, if you were to make that deal, would you go Adams over, over Chris Jones? I think yes. Uh, and I think, and I, and, and I'm, I kind of subscribe to the idea that kind of pro football focus kind of put this out there of coverage versus pass rush. That coverage is, even though it's more volatile on like a year by year basis, it's more important than pass rush. And I, I kind of, I kind of subscribe to that. And it's, it's taken me a bit to, to kind of get to that point where, um, I used to be a very pure trench only type guy where I said, if you don't spend a first round pick on a defensive line or offensive line, then what are you doing? Um, and it's, I've kind of gone around that where it actually makes more sense to get more secondary players and elite secondary players, uh, just because if the ball comes out in two seconds or three seconds, which with a quick passing game that we now see everywhere, uh, you, you need, you need a defender bill to stop that for, so for me, I think, I think yes to Jamal Adams in that aspect, even though again, Chris Jones is ridiculous and man, it would be, it would have been awesome to have some defensive line pressure up front. Yeah, well, and I suppose the Seahawks are hoping to get a little bit of that, too, with Jaron Reed back on the roster. But let's take a quick break. Coming up next, I want to talk NFL Top 100, the same list we saw Russell Wilson end up at number two, only behind Lamar Jackson, the NFL MVP. But keeping on the topic of Adams, there's a Hall of Fame player he was compared to in the NFL Top 100. And I know you haven't seen it, so I want to get your reaction to it coming up next. Samuel Gold joining the show. Follow him on Twitter at Samuel R. Gold. One very cool thing to see this past week was Jamal Adams landing in the top 30 of the NFL Top 100. And when you look at, I mean, when you start getting into the top 30 players, you're talking about elite NFL players. And, you know, number 30, Mike Evans, Quentin Nelson, the guard for Indianapolis, 29, Richard Sherman at 28 for the 49ers. And then at 27, was Jamal Adams and watching the NFL top 100 breakdown on Adams. There was a name that came up and it, it kind of blew me away. And so I, I wanted to get your reaction to this. Troy Polamalu came up as a comparable player to the type of skill set that Jamal Adams uh, has. And, you know, that's, that's one thing if it's an analyst, you know, like me or you making that comparison, but this is an NFL player making that comparison. What do you, how does that strike you as a comparison for Jamal Adams? Man, Troy Polamalu is not the guy I would have thought you would have said right there. Yeah. It's so I think I'm more surprised than I think it's, it's an interesting analogy. I mean, from, from my memory and I, I'll I'll be honest, when I started first studying, like really getting into film, Mm -hmm. it was like near the end of Polamalu's career. Uh, so, so I haven't fully studied everything Pittsburgh did with him, Yeah, but I just remember him just creating those gigantic plays and hits and, and interceptions and doing, and, 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 and maybe, and maybe that is a good analogy. The, the, the guy, the guy that I, I was going to compare him to was, is more like a guy like a Darren Woodson or, um, more recently, I mean, uh, Landon Collins, who was drafted two years earlier. That's, that's the guy I've been kind of pointing to as. As, as a pretty good uh, current NFL player. Yeah. But man, uh, Troy Polamalu is also a really interesting call too. Well, and I think with Polamalu, his ball skills, I think, are, are better than what we've seen from Adam so far. So, uh, but again, it's so early in Adam's career too. It's, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think back. It's been, 
It's been a little while since those early days of Palomalu. It's just the fact that he was being compared to a, a Hall of Fame player of that cal- caliber was really surprising to me. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's it's really interesting. And and like you you can even go back to I'm actually looking at uh, pro football focuses like there's there's snap counts by position and they they have a good breakdown of of where he lined up where Troy Polamalu lined up and he was in the box for six for 60 percent of his snaps free safety for 300 and a slot cornerback for another 200. So, I mean, I mean, that right there, that pretty much describes Jamal Adams. Even if you look at the time period from, you know, was it 2003 ish, 2004 to like 2013, 2014? I mean, that that's when the run game was even more focused on where they didn't have all the rule changes and that helped the quarterbacks. And then and then now. um, Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, maybe that makes a lot more sense that coverage ability of Jamal Adams is just becoming more important while while run support in the box. uh, Just different time periods, but similar skill sets. Yeah. Palomalu through his first three seasons. Now, he didn't start at all in that first season of his, but seven interceptions in his first three seasons, uh, five in that first full-time starting in 2004, uh, five interceptions that season. So through his first three seasons, he had six sacks, and gosh, Jamal Adams just had six and a half just this last year with the Jets. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but the career trajectory, Palomalu making uh, the Pro Bowl in 2004, 2005, his first two years starting all pro in 2005. So if Adams can continue (laughs) with that same kind of career path as Palomalu did, then I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about having to give up two first round picks. Exactly. And that's, and that, and that's where it comes down to is that assuming Jamal Adams continues to play at an all pro level. And I know that's a kind of a crazy thing to make an assumption on, but if there's anybody that can do it, it's him. And, and it's especially in a scheme like the Seahawks, I, I can see him continuing to do it. And that, and that, that just doesn't worry. That just doesn't worry me based, based on how hard he works and his work ethic and his football IQ and all that. I think, th- I think, I think we're going to look back at this trade and say, man, it was really expensive, but, but man, that was worth it. I'm, I'm kind of more leaning to that side of this, of this fence where I know other people are just on the other side where they're, they're just furious. They gave up all the picks. Well, closing this out, Sam Alejandro on field goals. He asked a question in the comments section. I think you addressed it there, but what Alejandro said was that you mentioned that the Hawks will play more nickel. Uh, because the secondary will be improved by Adams and Dunbar. But now with Dunbar being on the commissioner exempt list and potentially not playing, I I think there's that curiosity anyway of will having Adams on the team kind of put the Seahawks and give them that ability to play more nickel coverage versus last year when they were playing a lot more three linebackers with Michael Kendricks. Uh, and so my my answer, and I, and I answered it very briefly, uh, <laughs> Is yes, I 100% think so. Especially with Jamal Adams' skill set, the 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 fact that you can have a guy like Quandre Diggs play free safety and maybe even a little bit of nickel, you have a guy like Marquise Blair who can come in there and play some strong safety and help out there. You have Jamal Adams who can play anywhere from slot cornerback to free safety to strong safety. Shaquille Griffin is is great on his own, and the and the only weakness that I see right there is Trey Flowers. He's the only guy who I look at and I say. I wish they had Quentin Dunbar, and if they had Quentin Dunbar, they would have one of the better nickel packages out there. And 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 that's because I I think kind of highly of Marquise Blair, at least from what I've seen so far. Yeah. And and that, and and we can talk about that in a minute. I'm I'm a little, I'm still a little bit confused why they aren't trusting Blair more after being a second round pick. But I th- I think I think from my perspective and, and playing nickel especially, they they now have the talent. 
Last year, they did not have the talent. Bradley McDougal coming out of uh, out of a too high shell, man, that was bad. It was it, it was not anywhere near what it should be in terms of coverage. Um, he just can't make flat footed reads. He just he just wasn't um, he wasn't as good of a tackler as Jamal Adams is. There's 14 missed tackles versus just four for Adams last season. I mean, it's it's just drastically different. And having that personnel and having even even without Quinn Dunbar. Uh, I think they'll be able to play more nickel, especially now, which 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 it, to me, that's only a plus against the the Kyler Murray divisions and the in this division with Kyler Murray and this, the the 49ers who are going to do some crazy stuff with George Kittle and stuff like that. Yeah, I think if we're going to get into the conversation of nickel, I, so many Seahawks fans were baffled by the idea that you had Lano Hill coming in and playing in the safety spot ahead of a rookie like Blair. And, you know, it, there just there seems to be times where Pete Carroll is reluctant and, you know, maybe it's a little bit of Ken Norton Jr. too with particular rookies. It just there seemed to be this reluctance around Ugo Amadi, around Marquise Blair and even going back to the previous years with Puna Ford to to trust these guys a lot. And I just I wonder what it takes uh, if it's special teams play and doing the right thing there that or if it's a practice situation that really uh, get you on that that trust side for Pete Carroll to be able to get more snaps in in those starting level roles, and it's something that I haven't quite been able to figure out yet. Yeah, no, I'm, and I'm 100 with you. And even last season, LJ Collier played in what 100 snaps. It was it was so he had played in so few snaps, and he was their first round pick. And Ziggy Onza was the guy impact. ahead of him. <laughs> exactly, and, and and like yeah, yeah, and 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 there was injuries all over the place, and he and he barely got time. Yeah. And it's and it's you see you see DK Metcalf who who was trusted from day one on what to do. He was trusted from that first Bengals game where he caught that ball, uh, kind of jumping and, and making that catch before the safety, where Russ just kind of lobbed it up there. Right. And, and and it's and it's just crazy that on the def- especially the defensive side, Pete and and Ken Norton they just do not trust rookies. And and to me, I think uh, I think that's a mistake. Like Jor- Jordan Brooks. He has a really good skill set, especially on early downs, and and it's especially on first and second downs to to, to help out. And and the way the way I kind of see it is that I I, I feel like he's not going to be starting. Uh, what who who is who do they? Um, Bruce Irvin. I think Bruce Irvin's going to get more playing time at that at that strong linebacker position than Jordan Brooks will, even though Jordan Brooks is is probably is better suited for it right now. It's just it's just Bruce Irvin knows the system. And and for that reason alone, he's going to be trusted. And one last thing, the the difference this season versus last season, I get that with COVID and not having all the practices. I, I actually get it. I get it this time. Sure. But in the past, I do not get it. Well, especially on defense, when you can point to guys like Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers getting play early on at the corner spots, I, you can't really make a blanket statement across the entire defense. True. You know, and in critical positions at corner, whereas I feel like on the defensive line with a guy like Puna Ford or, or a nickel corner like Ugo Amadi, maybe you can cover some of that up when they make mistakes versus guys out there on the islands with Flowers and Griffin. Yeah, no, 100 percent. And and maybe it's as simple as that, is that as an outside cornerback, um, your role may, maybe just isn't that complicated. Yeah. Maybe it's as simple as that, where as an outside corner, I'm either going to play cover three zone or I'm going to sit back and cover one man and, and man coverage. 
and and, and maybe the communication at that point is just not as hard. Yeah. But don't, I feel like don't I get beat the, deep. The, you know, that's a- yeah. And, and I feel like I hear the opposite all the time where cornerback is one of the harder positions to transfer to. So again, I, I don't really understand it. No. Like you, you, you think that like playing on the defensive line, they've been doing that for the last few years that, that maybe it, maybe it's as simple as that. And or at least from a transferability standpoint in terms of skills, but it, for some reason it never is. Well, and like you said, the, the, it's probably not something that's going to get solved in terms of young players playing on the defense this season. Uh, just with with so little lead up time to the NFL season and not being able to see him in game situations. So so that's going to be something that we'll just have to look for in, in future seasons. But uh, Sam, I really want to thank you for coming on and, and breaking down Jamal Adams. I know we went from excited about his potential to just some questions, general questions about Pete Carroll, but uh, <laughs> fun conversation and appreciate you coming back on. Yeah, of course. And and I feel like anytime you have a, you have a player like Jamal Adams, just that elite type player, you have to be able to ask those questions. And at least, at least that's, that's, that'll be the first thing I'm going to do when I turn on the film for week one is see exactly what they do with him, see exactly what, how the game plan changed from last year with him. And, and, and may, maybe that'll be the first follow-up piece and say, and so my next title can be like Jamal Adams was a lead in for, you know, first game or, or something like that. I guess, I guess we'll see. Yeah. And where I really want to see the difference is come toward the middle of the season when they're playing the division rivals with the Cardinals and Rams and and 49ers and the type of impact he can have in those types of games as well. Because, you know, with the way Pete Carroll's thinking, he wants to win the NFC West. And so with any move, I think it's going to be, you know, it's it's primarily with the idea of beating those rival opponents. Sam, thanks once again for coming on. Of course. Thank you again. Check out Sam's work up at fieldgoals.com. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Samuel Gold NFL. You can subscribe to this podcast here at SBNation.com slash NFL Podcasts. And with Jamal Adams speaking to the media on Thursday, I'm planning on bringing you the highlights from that coming up on the next show. So until then, go Hawks.